Hello and welcome to my blog. Uh, today we're going to talk about um, a plain language summary of a paper um, that I authored called Antimicrobial Resistance Preparedness in Sub-Saharan African Countries. As I say, this is a plain language summary, um, so an overview of a paper that we wrote about how well prepared um, countries in Sub-Saharan Africa are when it comes to tackling antimicrobial resistance. And if you want a link to the original scientific paper, you can find it. Uh, there's a link to it on uh, the blog. In this article, I'll go through each section of the paper separately and I'll link to any references that I've mentioned. Um, and if you want to learn how to read an actual scientific paper, um, you can read my other article straight from the horse's mouth, how to read and hopefully understand a scientific research paper. Again, link on the blog. So just a couple of abbreviations and what they mean. So AMR is antimicrobial resistance, the WHO, the World Health Organization, JEE stands for Joint External Evaluation, which I'll explain, uh, SSA, Sub-Saharan Africa, and uh, LMIC, which is Low and Middle Income Country. So we'll start off with the background. Um, and we know that antimicrobial resistance, um, or AMR, is of growing concern globally because there are lots of countries reporting a rise in the number of resistant bacteria, fungi, viruses and parasites um, that they are recording. And so much so um, that there have been multiple reports, global reports, on the current situation. Um, and a really good one is the O'Neill report. Uh, and this is really, really important. And there's a link to that on the blog. And this report predicts that if we carry on using antibiotics the way we are now, then it's likely that um, by 2050, there are going to be around 10 million deaths um, a year from untreatable infections. So infections that no longer respond to antimicrobials. Uh, the paper also suggests, uh, the report rather, also suggests that the overwhelming majority of these deaths are likely to occur in low and middle income countries. We don't really know about how much antimicrobial resistance occurs in a lot of countries, especially lower middle income ones, because not a lot of research is actually happening because uh, there are many reasons for this, such as uh, a lack of interest or sort of government awareness of the topic, a lack of trained scientists, not enough laboratories or um, lacks of funding. This is sort of improving, though. Um, and you can read about our research project on how COVID-19 is affecting the types of infections people are getting in hospitals um, and whether it's affecting antimicrobial resistance. And there's a link on my blog, uh, the blog. So in much of sub-Saharan Africa, the rates of antimicrobial resistance, uh, it's undefined. Nobody really quite knows due to this lack of real-time data recording, um, surveillance and um, regulation. So Sub-Saharan Africa is usually defined as the countries that are below south of the Sahara Desert, although there are different definitions depending on which uh, organization you're kind of quoting from. Um, and the, the term Sub-Saharan Africa may be taken to have an outdated kind of colonial meaning, but it's often used in, in global health terms, which is mostly because there are different types and rates of infectious diseases in North Africa compared to um, south of the, the Sahara, so sub-Saharan Africa, because that massive desert acts as a barrier and stops, for instance, mosquitoes crossing and transmitting um, infections. And this separation helps, um, or this sort of um, classified separation helps to fight these diseases in a more targeted way. So 
um, countries in North Africa can and deal with the um, diseases they have there and sub-Saharan Africa can deal with theirs. There is crossover, of course, but um, there is also sort of difference. Although researchers are now starting to uh, realize that actually a sort of a big picture holistic approach to fighting multiple diseases um, with broader interventions is actually potentially a more um, cost-effective way of, of dealing with them. So uh, for the purposes of global health and diseases, I'm, I'm using the term uh, sub-Saharan African here. To try and identify how well prepared a country is to protect itself from various public health issues, the World Health Organization created um, a questionnaire which is called the Joint External Evaluation. Um, so these are voluntary and collaborative, uh, that's why they're joint, um, and the country works alongside experts to identify their sort of abilities and capacities. So they fill in a questionnaire themselves. This questionnaire gets sent um, to a team of experts who then go into the country and um, collaborate what, um, what's been found. Uh, and the aim is to identify what strategies a country has um, currently in place to prevent, detect and rapidly respond to public health risks. Um, and these include AMR, as well as things like uh, vaccinations and preparedness for zoonotic diseases. These reports um, score a country from one, which means there's no capacity for this thing at all, to five, which means that country has this, um, this thing in place and it's very well organized and so much so that that country could actually train other countries on how, how to do it or implement it. And these items uh, that the joint external evaluations measure include things such as, um, does a country have a national action plan for tackling AMR in place? Um, for instance, is it published? Um, what is it they plan to do and how do they plan to do it? Um, does the country have antimicrobial stewardship policies? So for instance, do clinicians and veterinarians have guidelines to help them administer antibiotics and can antibiotics be um, purchased over the counter or do they have to be prescribed? And you can read about my run-in with a particularly un unpleasant bug, which wasn't helped by the lack of antimicrobial stewardship um, in another blog, and you can see the link uh, on this one. So the aim of the research in this paper was to analyze the results of the joint external evaluation reports from all of the countries in the sub-Saharan African region so that we could identify how sub-Saharan Africa um, was able to sort of cope with AMR, where the continent um, and its sort of regions, where those strengths and weaknesses lie. So we're going to go on to methods, and this is how we analysed it. So we took all of the scores for each of the categories, so things like National Action Plan, um, Antimicrobial Stewardship, and put them in a massive spreadsheet for all of the countries um, that had completed a joint external evaluation and worked out sort of lots of different figures such as a mean score for each country. And this is where we added up all the individual scores for each of the strategies and then divided it by the total number of strategies, which gives us sort of the average or mean score for each country. And this helps us to identify roughly how well each country did compared to the others. We also calculated a cumulative mean um, which means we added up all of those mean scores that I explained in the step above and then divided it by the number of countries that we included. Um, and this helps us to identify how well Sub-Saharan Africa was prepared overall when we could then compare it to, say, Europe or South America. 
We also compared the mean individual country scores specifically for AMR to the country's overall score as a whole. So that takes into account other things such as vaccinations, how well they respond to uh, disease outbreaks. And this score helps us to see whether the country is prioritizing AMR. Um, so if the AMR score was lower than the overall score, it suggests that the country isn't necessarily very well prepared for dealing with antimicrobial resistance. If it's higher, then it suggests that the country has prioritized antimicrobial resistance and is doing quite a good job to fight it compared to say other, um, other areas. We also separated the scores into regions to see whether there are any particular regions that were better prepared for tackling antimicrobial resistance than others. And this means that we could potentially target countries both to help train and also who need training. So I've combined my results and my discussions into one. Um, so I'm going to show you what we found and also explain the reasons why I think we saw this, just because this is more of a summary. So to show how well each country is prepared for tackling antimicrobial resistance, we made um, a map, which you can see on the blog. And this map has a traffic light colored system. So if a country is red, it means it's got a low score, a low mean score, and isn't very well prepared. Um, in fact, it might not even be considering AMR really as a, as a problem at the moment. If it's colored yellow, it is sort of medium prepared. So it's doing some things right, but there's a lot to improve. And if it's green, it means that it's it's doing pretty well, it's pretty well prepared, and that country could be used as an example on how to try and prevent antimicrobial resistance um, in other countries. Now, it doesn't work very well on a uh, on an audio uh, blog, but uh, I can try and explain the, the image. So it's a map of Africa, and the majority of countries are in red. Um, there are sort of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 countries that are yellow uh, and one country that is green. So the overwhelming majority of countries have very little um, preparedness when it comes to dealing with antimicrobial resistance. And some of the other results that we found um, when we combined all of the different country scores for antimicrobial resistance, that score was 53% lower than the average score for the category, uh, for the joint external evaluations as a whole. And this is probably because antimicrobial resistance is a problem that's only become apparent sort of relatively recently. Um, we've known about it for ages, of course, but we've, we've kind of ignored it as a global community up until now. Um, and I expect that schools will probably improve um, fairly rapidly over time as we realize actually how important it is. We saw that East Africa had the highest percentage of countries reporting having uh, antimicrobial resistance national action plans in place, um, as well as having both human and animal pathogen um, resistance surveillance programs. Um, now, having a national action plan in place suggests that a country is committed to trying to reduce antimicrobial resistance, and having these national surveillance programs, which are actively looking for resistant infections, suggests that a country has a good amount of laboratories and staff um, trained staff who are able to process these samples. So they're going in the right direction. Southern Africa reported the highest percentage of countries um, who actively trained um, both vets and, and clinicians in antimicrobial stewardship and um, antimicrobial resistance. And this means that other countries could potentially borrow this training uh, that is taught in Southern African countries and adapt it for their own situations. 
and adaptation is kind of the really important thing because of course what you might see in um, I don't know Zambia might not necessarily be the same as what you see in Chad and so if the Zambian um, Ministry of Health went to train uh, the Chad Ministry of Health then they would have to adapt it to try and fit what they see in those other countries. So in conclusion Whilst there is a lot of information um, and results in the full paper, I've picked out some of uh, the more important points. Um, the fact that the antimicrobial resistance score for Sub-Saharan Africa compared um, poorly to the overall joint external evaluation score, along with the fact that the majority of countries lacked a national action plan, uh, suggests that until now, antimicrobial resistance has not been a priority for most countries. Um, there are many reasons for this, of course, such as focus on more immediate problems, such as outbreaks of deadly, deadly diseases, such as Ebola. Um, but by identifying which regions and countries have strengths, such as strong action plans in place, good laboratory capacity, well-trained doctors, um, or a sort of a good, strong One Health um, aspect, so clinicians, veterinarians, ministry, environment, they all work together. Uh, we can help transfer this knowledge and capacity to those countries that we've identified and targeted as not being quite so well prepared. So that's my summary of, of our paper. Um, feel free to read the actual paper itself um, and you can make up your own mind. <laughs>